Hello and welcome to Automasis, the show where we talk about how to get your technology to do your work for you and tell you about all those important things. I'm Rosemary Orchard and as always, I'm joined by my co-host David Sparks. Hey David, how are you today? I am great, Rose. It is so nice talking to you. It is. I was on holiday for a bit, so our listeners didn't miss out on an episode, but we missed out on talking to each other for a bit, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, so much has happened. We've had Apple events and I know and iOS releases, and uh, a lot of this stuff yeah. does impact automation. So we've got oh, yeah. kind of a smorgasbord of automation today. Yeah, I kind of feel like we should start with the Apple event, because while the new devices themselves don't necessarily make any significant changes to our automations... They're shiny and new, and it's fun to talk about them for a couple of minutes because everybody's going to be curious as to what we got. Um, and so I know, I think people might be able to guess what I got. But David, what did you get? Um, I ordered a new iPhone. That's that's what I've done so far. Um, I am interested in that new iPad Mini. I mm-hmm. have I have an aged iPad Mini that I keep in my bedside table and. Um, I know Steven ordered a new iPad mini and all the cool kids are ordering iPad minis and I'm going to find out, I just haven't got around to it. I want to see what the trade-in value is of my existing one. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I really on it, to be fair, the one I have does what I need, you know, Instapaper, yeah. um, you know, Kindle. <laughs> I mean, I do a lot of reading on it, but, but I, I don't know, maybe I could do more with one. And I, I really like that, that new design language. I, I really like that it works with the new Apple Pencil, so I'm very tempted by that. Yes. How about you? Uh, people will not be surprised to find out that I've ordered a purple iPad mini. Of course. Um, first of all, it's purple. How could I not? Yeah. Uh, secondly, I have the last gen iPad mini, um, and it's wonderful in many respects. It is a perfectly sized handbag device for me. Uh, it fits in all but two of my smallest handbags, and those two smallest handbags barely fit a Pro Max iPhone, like, just barely. Yeah. So it's not a surprise that the iPad Mini doesn't fit in there. And quite frankly, if I'm using those handbags, it's because I'm going somewhere fancy, which hasn't happened in two years, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, so I've ordered that, and uh, I went with the English lavender case um, because it's purple. It's English um, and it's lavender. Oh, yeah, and it, it's a lovely color. Um, yeah. But the iPhone uh, doesn't come in purple because in the middle of this year, I actually switched to an iPhone mini when they came out with the purple one because I couldn't resist. Yeah. And turns out I love the mini iPhone, but I don't love the new colors enough to not go pro, especially with the camera, because I've really missed having uh, that zoom lens on the camera, the telephoto, um, and especially optical image stabilization on all the lenses and so on. I just, yeah, I went pro uh, this year, but I did not go pro max. That was a mistake last year. Um, but as we'll find out later in the show, that pro max was not entirely a mistake. There, There's a usage for it. Um, coming up. Oh, so so you got the big one, and now you want the small one. Yeah, yeah. The small so pro. I, yeah, because yeah, I had the regular 11 Pro, and that was great, um, and I liked it, but it was a little too big. Um, and it turns out the MagSafe pop socket, actually, I love MagSafe. MagSafe is amazing. Uh, being able to MagSafe a pop socket on there, and then pop it off and throw a wallet on there, or yeah. pop it off and chuck it on a charger, that works really, really well for me, and I really like that. Um, and MagSafe is brilliant, basically. It's it's not the cheapest technology for all these things, but the pop socket makes holding a phone much easier. Um, and so I think I'm going to be fine with the 13 Pro, um, not Max, in Sierra Blue, because it's a, lo- a lovely blue. That is a very pretty color. Um, I usually, uh, first of all, I want a second 
uh, everything you said about PopSocket, I, uh, or just MagSafe in general. I have now yeah. the MagSafe PopSocket, the MagSafe wallet, the MagSafe case, and the MagSafe battery. So I am all yep. in with it. And I really like just uh, sticking things on my phone. And the PopSocket, I was skeptical about it. I bought it with the intention that I may have to return it. And it, no, it's great. It really sticks on there good. Yeah, it's. I think it's the strongest um, magnet out of all the MagSafe magnets that I have. Yeah, um, it is incredibly strong, and I, it's it's brilliant. Something I've also noticed is if you have a MagSafe case on, uh, other devices stick to the MagSafe case better than they stick to the phone itself. Yeah, I don't know if there's like a force multiplier with magnets, or it's just the texture of the case. Uh, gives and it a better silicon grip. cases definitely stick much better than leather cases. That said, there is a wisteria leather case, which is kind of a purplish lavendery blue. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, that's apparently coming tomorrow <laughs> as we record this episode. <laughs> I don't have the silicon, I have the leather case, I have the orange one from the iPhone 12. As we record this, um, when you when this show releases, it's actually iPhone day, but uh, we're recording this even before the reviews come out. So um, I bought the Pro Max again. Usually I go through this, you know, uh, self-flatulation every time I, oh, wait, I don't think I said that right. Isn't flatulation just farting? Yes. Okay, so that was Whatever not that what is. I wanted to say. <laughs> flagellation? Oh, boy. I'm just getting, I, I, digging I don't a hole know. deeper. Like, I, I, yeah, uh, I, I'm Googling it. David, okay, we're, I, we're good. I beat myself up every year. How's that? Over like, do yeah. I get the big one? Do I get the little one? Blah, blah, blah. This year, it just came to me. Because last year, I got the big white one, and I got the big white one again. I like the color of it. I like the white because I really like the silver bands on the side. The sky blue tempted yeah. me, but I don't want colored bands because I want to be able to use it with okay. any case without having to think about it too much. And I keep my phone out of the case a lot when I'm just around the house. But whenever I leave the house, I put it in a case. And uh, I just got the exact same phone, basically. And I can't wait to get it. I am. We haven't got reviews yet, but that camera system, I am uh, oh, yeah. super into it. And I hope that it is as good as Apple says it is. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm very much looking forward to this. Um, the cinematic mode, I think, is going to be really fun for recording some stuff. I've had so much fun with Center Stage with friends on Zoom calls. Um, we've been trying it out um, and it's great. I walk out of shot to go grab a glass of water and I walk back in and it like captures me and zooms in on me dramatically as I'm walking back to the iPad with a glass of water. Yeah. Um, it's so much fun that then I go out and grab a snack and then come back. And I've been eating way too many snacks basically is the, the short end of that story. But you know, it, it's, it's really good fun. I'm so glad the iPad mini has that as well because center stage really is, it's, it's just a nice feature because you really are, you know, focused on the iPad. And then um, so the Apple watch isn't that. out yet, but have you, has a decision been made? Yes. Uh, I unfortunately have had a couple of minor uh, incidents with my Apple watch over the last year. And the face on this one is scratched. Um, so I'm upgrading, um, to a series seven and I'm going to get Starlight. But the main reason for the upgrade, aside from the scratches is I'm going to go cellular for the very first time. Um, okay. because I'm excited by the idea of it. Um, I'm switching carriers here in the UK anyway, just because my current carrier doesn't have, um, you know, great signal where I live and there are other carriers with better signal. So I'm going to be paying a bit more money and I thought let's pay all the more money. 
um, and get a cellular Apple Watch as well because there are times when I have gone out and I've forgotten my phone at home. Um, it doesn't usually happen, um, but it does happen at times. And also just being able to leave my phone at home and go for um, a jog or something without my phone, but still having a way to, you know, make a call if I need to or reply to a message if I need to is going to be really good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to trying that for the very first time. Yeah, I am too. Also interested in the new watch. I've got a Series Five, so I'm. I feel like I'd like to get the the, the feature that stands out the most to me is brighter, always on. the The Series mm-hmm. Five yeah. is always on, but it's actually pretty dark. Sometimes it's kind of hard to read it. But um, I also expect we're going to hear about M1X Max soon, and oh, yeah. that is something I'm definitely going to want to spend money on. And I'm kind of at that expensive point in my life. The kids, two kids in college, blah blah blah. So we'll see what I actually end up buying. But I definitely got a yeah. phone, and I will probably be definitely buying an M1X Mac Mini if those come out. Um, right, and everything else is uh, it's in play. Let's just say that. Yeah, I um incredibly happy with my m1 imac i love it this thing is silent it is fast it is insanely fast uh and it's brilliant and i i got an m1 macbook pro as well because i needed a machine i could install monterey on that was going to have all of the features and so i went m1 for that i took it on holiday with me um and it was great i was building uh apps in xcode and uploading them to the app store um uh, as, as this episode releases, by the way, there is still a chance if you have not done so already um, to donate to um, the Relay FM for St. Jude campaign at stjude.org slash relay. Um, so if you haven't done that, um, there are, there's links in the show notes to all the details. You should do that. But some friends of mine built an app, which is basically just a widget um, to track the campaign. Um, and I have an App Store account. So I hosted it and just it's just a test flight application. But I was able to do builds for that and another app that they then decided to build while I was on holiday really quickly on the M1. Um, and it was brilliant because most of the time was occupied by uh, searching for Wi-Fi and trying to upload the app to the App Store after that. But being able to do the build incredibly quickly meant that uh, things were considerably less painful than they would have been on an Intel machine. And yeah. that, w- that was really good. We got all excited about Apple Gear and automation. We didn't talk about that. And it's been an amazing year. They've raised $500,000 this year, a million dollars yeah. total over the kind of run of these, these podcast-a-thons. And yeah. um, I just don't know what to say. That There's not much we do on this show more important than helping kids cure kids of cancer. So, I mean, I can't yeah. think of anything better. And whether well, you the one have- thing I will say, which is worth everybody hearing, is also St. Jude does all this research, and they share it for free yeah. around the world. Yeah. Which, you know, a lot of research is kept private um, so that, you know, companies can make money off of it. And St. G doesn't do that. If it helps kill cancer, they they want to share it with the world. Um, so, you know, um, that that's pretty awesome. So many scientists are so, you know, possessive of their research and St. Jude just puts it out there. And um, yes. also, just like, I understand that um, times are tough right now. A lot of folks lost jobs and things. We're dealing with that in my house. My wife lost her job and... But at the same time, even if you just have $5, it helps. And there's a lot of people listening to this show. So anyway, just think about it. We'd appreciate it if you'd help out. If you have if you have donated, man, thank you. You're the reason we were able to get to that $500,000 number. And we really appreciate it. All, that, yes. all that's in the show notes. So check it out. Uh, one other thing, uh, speaking of spending money, Rose, I made a new field guide. You did. Um, and David, you knocked it out of the park again. I'm reworking my entire Dev and Think setup. Thank you. 
um, for all of the extra work that you've created for me. <laughs> yeah, so I, I made the Devon Thing Field Guide. This is one of the most requested titles that I've had. Um, uh, you know, I started it in April. It's got eight and a half hours of content, but it's all broken down into small pieces over 100 videos, so you don't have to watch it all in one sitting. And whether you've never touched Devon Think or you're a pro user, I hope that you can get something out of it. And it's on sale for a limited time. When this episode publishes, it'll, it'll just be, um, it won't be much longer. So if you want to get that, the introductory price, go over to learn.maxsparky.com and check it out. Uh, there is an automation angle to this because there's a whole section in the, the video field yeah. guide because Devin Think, what I heard, because as I started working on this field guide, I got to talk to the, the gang behind Devin Think. One of the main developers is super into automation and they basically yes. kind of built a, a version of Hazel into it. And they built they built a bunch of tools into Devon Think that make automation very, very uh, uh, good. Yes. Yeah, they did. Um, and I, I really, really love those tools. In general, I find Devon Think to be a really useful tool for me because there's no more, did I store this in iCloud or Dropbox or whatever? I just throw it in Devon Think and search there later. Yeah, one of the, the advantages you get with Devon Think is you get those links. I mean, the application creates... Yeah. Uh, links for every file so for automators that can be really handy to be able to grab a link from any file and just jump back to it either way uh learn.maxsparky.com uh for devon think field guide and uh if you go to is it relay.fm slash saint jude i think that would get you there yeah um to donate to uh, saint, saint jude.org slash relay will definitely get you there <sighs> i got as it well. wrong i got it wrong that's okay, okay. I, both of them work actually all right great so anyway, uh, back to buying stuff. Um, I'm I'm kind of sitting tight. Sounds like you're on your way. I, 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 you're gonna have to tell us what you're doing with that Mac Mini. I'm sorry, the iPad Mini in terms of automation. Yeah. So at the moment, my current iPad Mini is uh, the smallest amount of storage. I think it was 16 gigs. It's not cellular. Um, there's a bunch of handicaps to it, which I didn't really think of when I bought it. Um, and I love it. It's a great device. So it's going to be given to my grandmother because she constantly talks about wanting to upgrade her iPad, but doesn't really have a real need to. Um, so I'll, I'll upgrade hers for her because, you know, that'll make her happy and happy grandmothers are a good thing. Um, and then, um, I'm, I'm going to use my lovely new, uh, purple. It's more of a lilac, really. Uh, so the iPad, uh, mini as my on the go iPad slash notebook. Like a lot of people keep like a reporter's notebook or something in their bag. Um, and um, I I prefer the iPad mini because I can take notes and they don't get screwed up corners and everything. And I use Notability. It's brilliant. Um, and I also use it for sometimes whittling away at my pocket queue. I also have a Kobo, which syncs with pocket, which is brilliant. So I prefer longer things to read on the Kobo. But uh, a lot of it is also just... It's a nice, large, convenient device that you can have with you. And now it's got USB-C as well. It's, it's a great device to just have in your bag and just be able to pull out and go, oh, yeah, actually, you know, there was this video I wanted to show you and it's a big enough screen size that I can show my grandmother or my parents or a friend the video and they'll actually be able to see what I'm, I'm talking about instead of squinting at a phone, um, which especially with the mini iPhone has been problematic. But even with the Max, it's, it's a fairly small screen if somebody's trying to show somebody else something, um, whereas with the mini, it's a bit easier. So, all right. So something you said, I want to follow up on real quick is the note taking on an iPad. And this is something we, we literally, we just talked about this on Mac power users. There's 
show coming out this weekend. We're going to cover it too. They, they added this new feature, Quick Note. And, you know, the argument I made on Mac Power Users is this is Apple's response to pad of paper and pencil. Like the, the historic problem is if I had a pad of paper and a pencil and I met you in a hallway and you started telling me a phone number, I could write it down. Whereas if I'm holding an iPad and I have an, an Apple pencil and you start telling me a phone number, there is like a 10 or 15 seconds of things I need to do before I can write it down, you know? got to get the thing booted up. I got to get to the right app. I got to create a new document. And the whole idea with quick note is you swipe up and you just start writing. Um, what is the Rosemary Orchard workflow for taking notes on an iPad? Uh, well, at the moment I have been using quick note a bit, but um, obviously the previous iPad mini uses the old uh, Apple pencil, mm-hmm. which means that there's always the tap on the screen with the Apple pencil. Ugh, Apple pencils out of battery. Plug the Apple pencil into the lightning port like a dork. Um, wait for it to charge up, get distracted, do other things. Um, but, um, basically uh, a lot of the ways that I currently use the iPad mini is with a small folding Bluetooth, uh, keyboard. Um, because this like an iPad mini size keyboard. So it folds down to be a little larger than an iPhone pro max. Um, I'm going to get a link for the show notes. Um, so I have been told by some men that this is a pocketable keyboard. I am not 100% sure of that. Um, but um, it, it, it is the kind of thing that fits into a, a small-ish, you know, size. Um, so that, that is quite a good thing. Um, but oh, basically... It's, it's, not, it, it's not the size of an iPad mini. It's actually a keyboard that's bigger, but it folds up. Yeah, it folds up. Um, yeah, it, it's micro USB too. charging. Yeah. Um, and it, it's pretty good. I also ordered and have already received because Apple shipping and logistics, um, the Logitech keys to go in a pink color because that does not fold. And the one complaint I have about the, the Moco foldable keyboard or indeed any foldable keyboard is it folds in the middle. And if you try to use it on your lap, <laughs> then you will experience the pain that is a folding keyboard. Yeah. I have like a little folding keyboard I got off Amazon. I'll put a link in as well. I think yeah. it was like 20 or $30 and you charge it with micro USB, but I can put it in my bag. And like, if we're out for a family day or something, I can, I keep it like just in case. Cause sometimes yeah. with the law practice, something comes up where I need to bang out a, a proper email and having that little folding keyboard makes it a lot easier. I use it with the phone yes. primarily, though. I've never used it with an uh, iPad mini. Yeah, so mine actually pairs with multiple devices, um, yeah. which is great. Um, I love that. Um, and um, I can only find a four-pack on Amazon right now. Um, but um, I actually use it with a little iPhone stand, which, again, folds up to be practically nothing, um, which is great. Um and um, this this works. Uh, they're also the, you can also get larger um, iPad stands, but I've actually gone this time with or larger ones of these stands for the iPad. Sorry, um, they do a four to eleven inch um, size, which is not four inches in diameter. It's just bigger to be more supportive. I found in landscape mode this is fine for propping up the iPad. I'm not going to be touching the screen huge amounts anyway. Um, but I've actually gone with the the smart cover. Um, this time, which is nice. Um, th- there's, of course, no trackpad with either of these keyboards, but I can survive. Um, the idea is basically just a, something's come up, like I need to log into a server and reboot the Mac Power users forum or update the automators forums because something's gone hinky. 
Um, and I can I can do that with Secure Shellfish uh, and these two. Um, it's quite comfortable and easy to do. Um, so yeah, that that's my little go-to. But I'll be trying the Logitech keys to go. Um, it's nice. It's a little spongy feeling, but it's also a, apparently a very durable keyboard. So I'm gonna have to see how that pans out. All right. Well, sounds like we're we're set for hardware until yeah, Apple announces yep. the M1X. <laughs> I I don't think I'm gonna be getting one. I mean, famous yeah. last words, right? I wasn't gonna get an M1 Mac, but laptop because I didn't need one, and then well, I got one. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, they are the the M1s I've got are incredibly powerful and fast, and I'm honestly not taxing them at all right now. So I don't I don't see a real need to upgrade. Yeah. And also, if I do, I think my accountant might kill me. <laughs> uh, and there's a really good argument that the the M1 is good enough for like ninety percent of the people including myself honestly but if they come out with an m1x mac mini it's going to be really hard for me to resist that oh. I have to say yeah i mean i have to say i've got a mac mini my old mac mini sitting here on my server as a build machine now yeah. so that whenever you know one of those apps that i mentioned before needs building then uh it theoretically should happen automatically um but um yeah it's if it would be nice if it were an m1 because it would be even speedier this episode of Automators is brought to you by Privacy.com. I'm always a little bit anxious when it comes to looking at my money things online. There's nothing worse than dodgy network or something where, you know, your details might go missing. And of course, there's always that, oops, I misclicked and it looked like my bank story. Privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial lives online while keeping your most important information secure. By generating virtual numbers, privacy masks your bank information so you never have to worry about giving it out to people you don't know online. I'm always a little sketched out when I have to give my card details to somewhere that I don't actually know online. Places like Amazon and so on, they've got lots of security behind them, but this little shop that I've never heard of before, but otherwise seems to have good reviews? Maybe not. Privacy can help keep my details safe, because, of course, if it's a one-time used card number, then once it's used, it's never going to be used again. And should something pop up, I'll know where it's come from. Take back control of your payments, decide who can charge your card, how much, and how often, and you can close the cards at any time. Plus, you can make sure that you're never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. And Privacy is partnered with the good folks at 1Password. You can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All virtual cards created in 1Password have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards. And you can set spend limits, create single-use or merchant lock cards whenever you want. Head to privacy.com slash automators and sign up for an account. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Go to privacy.com slash automators and sign up now. Our thanks to Privacy for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, uh, let's switch over from hardware to software. So iOS 15 has shipped. Um, yep. There are uh, there's a story here for automators. Um, the, um, let's start with shortcuts, and um, uh, this is not necessarily a happy story. I you know shortcuts has been rough for me this year throughout the beta period. Yeah, yeah, it's been very dodgy for me as well. Um, there have been times where stuff just hasn't worked at all. And there are times right now when things are crashing and then you, you go back to it later and the exact same thing works. 
Yeah. It seems to me like the problems, and I was hoping this would get sorted out before they ship it. Uh, and this is a complete speculation on my part, but I think that probably the problem is you've got uh, one team now making it for both Mac and iPhone and iPad. So they're probably stretched pretty thin. And yeah. the one on Monterey Mac is even in worse shape right now. I'm trying to make a, a shortcuts yeah. field guide for the Mac and it is rough because I do these rehearsals and then I start to record and it just doesn't do what it's supposed to do. But yeah, yeah, uh, it'll get there. But I, I think the problem is primarily in creation, not execution. Like if you have a working shortcut, I don't think you're going to have any problems. Largely, there's a few broken actions, but I mean, in general, it'll work. But creating shortcuts, I'm really having a lot of troubles with like like just getting it to like pick a variable things like that yeah or dragging and dropping an action and actually putting it where you dropped it yeah like th this should work but it doesn't frequently i end up having to drop the action in at the end by just tapping it and then drag it around and then drag some other actions to move it where i actually want it to go it's just incredibly finicky and frustrating i've actually had better luck creating some shortcuts on mac os but the problem with creating them on mac os is of course that um, a bunch of the actions aren't available because it's macOS and shortcuts is new to macOS. Yeah. Um, and developers have been busy this summer. They've got a lot to do. Um, and I know some some development companies have just been, you know, insanely busy. So they've had to decide that they're going to focus on other things that need supporting first and then come back to shortcut support for macOS a little bit later because they're very aware that a lot of their user base won't be upgrading to Monterey the day it releases, which is not the same time that iOS uh, 15 releases. iOS 15 is releasing as we record um, on Monday, um, so it should have been out for five days or so by the time you get this episode. Um, but it it is, you know, Monterey is still coming, so developers have got time there, but equally a lot, a lot of people on macOS don't upgrade immediately. Yes, and uh, but to the extent it is working or will be working, I think pretty shortly, um, they have done. They've made changes. They, the the uh, user interface or the the build environment is more compact now. You've got the ability to fold up actions, which is something mm -hmm. I think we've always kind of wanted. Yep, uh, those are all nice usability improvements. Uh, we still don't have the ability to blow up a text uh, box into full screen. I, I would like to see that show up at some point. But um, they definitely are like moving in the right direction with that stuff. Um, they're, you know, I, I guess some of the other stuff I like is the um, the testing tools, the ability to kind of like stop and like, uh, you know, programmatically debug your shortcuts Mm -hmm. is there um so i think they're, they're starting to get some more tools for people that want to make longer shortcuts yes but equally we haven't yet received things like commenting out shortcut actions which i know a lot of people are, are looking for i spotted a thread on reddit about that uh today or a few days ago um and um uh so actually the solution that i have for this if you want to comment out an action um is to add a number action um to your shortcut type zero in your number and add a repeat action and then tap and hold on the repeat variable and select the number um, because then it will repeat zero times. And then afterwards you can just delete the repeat, um, which is why occasionally you'll download one of my shortcuts and there'll just be a strange number zero in there. And that's from me debugging and I didn't delete it at some point. Um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of tools that people are still after, but equally it is definitely getting a lot better, which I'm really pleased about. Yeah. Um, in terms of actions, 
We did talk about this in the WWDC show, but I'm happy to report they survived the beta process. There are a bunch of new files-based actions and shortcuts, which I think once they get the bugs worked out of this are going to be super useful to people that want to make any kind of shortcuts that involves files. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. I love the fact that you can save these things anywhere. Uh, I did have an issue actually the other day um, where I was trying to create uh, a shortcut on macOS. I created the shortcut on macOS. It worked perfectly. Uh, I didn't have to pull out my iPhone or my iPad to do it. Um, but I was trying to save files into a specific folder on my device, and it was just not happy about it, even though the folder was technically in iCloud. Um, I guess maybe my path was wrong or something, but it just kind of failed and saved the files in the root folder of shortcuts, Whoops. which is not the kind of error that I was expecting. Yeah. Fortunately, macOS Finder, it's really easy to sort by date created and just go yeah. eh, delete 180 files because uh, it was creating 180 yeah. files. Or, or if you're if you're fluent in Hazel, you can also build something on that end to, to kind of manage that for you. Yeah, yeah. But nobody wants to do that. It should all be handled within shortcuts, you know. But yes. But the I call it the Mac boon, you know, the, the the creation of a bunch of tools on the Mac side actually came back to the benefit of the iPhone and iPad. Move file, open file, rename, select, um, folder actions. Well, not folder actions in the sense that you think of them on a Mac, but you can do things with folders now. Yeah. Another Mac boon, we got our PDF actions, but they're not complete. Yes. Yeah, we didn't get the full set from Automator. I suspect that's just a question of time. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it will happen, I think. Um, it, it's one of those things where I think they have to be a little careful about translating some actions back. As far as I'm aware, um, you still can't have, like, a shortcut would fail gracefully on a platform where an, uh, an action is not available. So, for example, if you try to do a vibrate action on iPad um, or a Mac, it'll just go, eh, I can't do that. So yeah. you have to wrap it in if statement and get your device type first to check whether or not it's compatible um, for that, um, which is a bit frustrating. Um, but you could always include a shortcut which returns can vibrate or, you know, can toggle cellular or something and, and just you know, put all the things into that that you need and then return yes or no and, and do things based on that. Yeah, I would like to see that get better, honestly. Yeah, I think that that should just, I think there should be an option where, you know, where with lots of actions where you can tap on that arrow to reveal more options. Yeah. You should just be able to ch like slide on a toggle that says ignore if not possible. Or even just like an alert uh, device specific, you know, like so it vibrates on the phone, but maybe it does something else on the iPad. I don't know. But the, um, yeah, there, there are solutions to that. And right now, the only solution is that we have to be nerdy enough to write if statements to get around it. Yeah. Which is not amazing for people who are brand new to shortcuts, but equally, it's not that um, hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. So, yeah, people can learn. And it's actually quite a good practice for learning uh, how shortcuts works, I think. Because it teaches you a bunch of stuff that you didn't necessarily already know. Yeah. Uh, get on screen content. Um, you know, we've mm. got a couple things going with the mobile devices this year where they're able to uh, take advantage of some new features in the operating system. And that adds some interesting fodder for new shortcuts. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, David, as to how you're using this, because I have to say it's one of those things I got excited about early on thinking, oh, I'm going to be able to do this. I tried using it and um, it crashed hard on me and I kind of gave up after that and got distracted by other things and never really went back to it. 
Uh, I know that you've been playing with this a bit more than I have. So what are you currently doing with that? I'm not getting it working either at this point. But oh, gosh. The, but the qu- quick type and the ability to pull um, a type out of pictures I am using as Daisy and I continue to work on the oh, yeah. design field guide. I take pictures of like the menus and the restaurants and things like that. And I can get the text out. But um, they've got the action in there, but I just can't get it to work reliably. Um, yeah, but we're going to get there. I don't know. I, I feel like I could tie it to a geolocation and like have it send me all that text without me having to go in and manually grab it. I, I, I just think, you know, like I said at the beginning, kind of the segment is the the dark cloud over shortcuts is, yes, we got some cool new features. But right now, a lot of it seems like all the pipes aren't connected. Yeah, yeah, it, it really does feel like that. Um, to some extent, but equally, some things the pipes are incredibly well connected on, such as focus modes. Yes. Um, And, oh my gosh, focus modes are so powerful. Uh, I had an idea, David, the other day, uh, because I have some NFC tags on my desk that I use at different times of day. Yeah, um, Based on, and it's actually, I use a different NFC tag based on which focus mode I'm in. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like a two-step shortcut, right? Yeah, but I actually don't anymore. I've consolidated down to one NFC tag, and instead I check which focus mode I'm in, and I run a different shortcut based on the focus mode that I'm in. Okay, explain that. So I so my my NFC tag action now um, runs. Um, it's actually a shortcut because I wanted to edit it on the iPad, so it runs a shortcut, and that shortcut goes, "Hey." Um, and it tries to get the focus mode for me. Um, at least this was working the other day. I'm now doubting myself as to whether or not you can get your current focus mode. And of course, shortcuts has crashed, so I'm unable to actually double check this. Um, always good when my shortcuts doesn't open. Yeah, we make this show without a net. I yeah, mean, I, I yeah, talked it, about self farting earlier, so I don't think it can get any worse. <laughs> yeah, sorry, there was only set focus mode. That was it. Why I. That was it. So I have um, actions set up for my focus modes whenever I turn on a focus mode. Yeah. Um, or whenever focus modes um, turn off, that they um, write to a data jar variable. And then what I do is I get the variable out of data jar. That's what I'm doing there um, to find out which focus mode I'm in. And then I just if, um, and if I'm in work focus mode, it runs this shortcut. If I'm in um, podcasting focus mode. I've, I'm debating sp- splitting podcasting ah, up into three podcasts, gotcha. but it runs basically different actions based on that. Um, and I've actually seen NFC tags are making their way into the mainstream. This is kind of cool. Um, I was going through my email earlier today and Moft, who are the people who make a MagSafe wallet for the iPhone, which is also a stand um, and some other accessories, um, including like a fake MagSafe thing for the iPad, which I have and I love. Um, are making a um, smart desk mat where you can like put your devices on it. But the thing that caught my eye is it has two NFC tags built into it, David. Nice. So NFC tags are hitting the mainstream. And the idea is like you tap one of them and it does something and it, you tap the other one and it does something else. And it, it's to help you work. Like they're showing enabling focus modes um, or or a focus thing in, in um, an app. Um, I think it's focus minder or something. I'm not entirely sure. But um, I love the idea of this. It's a really cool idea. And I'm glad that more and more people are seeing NFC tags for the wonderness that they are, because they are wonderful. So, but getting back to your shortcut, what you're doing is you're storing the focus mode. Then the when you hit the NFC tag, it just runs an if statement to find which focus mode you're in from your data jar variable. And then it 
does a different, it's almost like a choose from menu at that point where. Yeah. So it actually just goes, yeah, it goes through if um, statements and says if this um, focus mode, which is actually a text variable because I just save it to data jar as text. Yeah. Um, if, if the text is this, do that. If the text is this, do that. If the text is this, do that. Sure. If, it, if it's, um, if it's focused, nesting. then open the focus outline and turn on audio hijack and like that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and I am, um, I'm not nesting my if statements here because nested if statements are hard to read. Um, and they end up using all the space on, especially on an iPhone mini. Um, but even on say an iPad pro at some point, you're using a third of the space. If you've got too many nested if statements, instead I'm using, if I've removed the otherwise part, um, and just added an exit shortcut action in there. So it'll do what it's supposed to do and then exit the shortcut and that's it. And that works really well. So I'm, I'm glad that that exists. I, um, I'm a big fan of focus mode. I think it's something that everybody should consider. I do think Apple has a little bit of work to make it more accessible to people. Yes. Because like for instance, right now to, uh, to allow a group of contacts through, you have to select each individual contact rather than just picking, you know, like a, a, a contact or an address book group. You can't do that. Um, so there's some things I'd like to see them change about it, but I think this is really powerful. However, and I'm ashamed to admit as a host of the automators that I have not combined much automation with it. The way I trigger focus modes is on my watch. You've got a really cool way to slide up from the, from the clock face on the watch and you can set a focus mode and it, it respects that across your device and I'm off to the races, but I haven't done like a setup type automation, which is what you're describing on it. And I really should. And I, I think that's kind of like for me, that would be something I would want to run on the Mac. And right now shortcuts on the Mac still needs a bit of work. So maybe when it gets a more bit more stable, I can do something with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one of those things where I have a love-hate relationship with focus modes. Um, there are two bugs in focus modes right now, which make them very difficult to use. Um, uh, as as we speak, the, the release candidate or... Um, sorry, the release scan has been out for a while, but iOS 15 is just publicly launched and it is actually a different build. So I'm hoping that these two particular bugs have been fixed because they are incredibly frustrating and, and almost showstoppers. The first is um, that um, no caller ID calls don't come through in any focus mode, even if that's enabled. My doctor's uses no caller ID to call out. So if I have a doctor's appointment, I will not get that call oh. if I'm in a focus mode. Um, and I cannot enable that. So I have to manually go in and disable focus modes if I'm expecting a call from the doctor, which is just incredibly frustrating and annoying because yeah. I would like yeah. that to just come through. Uh, the other one is shortcuts uh, notifications don't come through in focus mode, which is fine because I don't necessarily want a your shortcut is running notification. But you know what I would like to see? I'd like to see my menus and my lists. But I don't because they just don't show up. Yeah, like you trigger a shortcut and you don't get anything. Yeah, like you trigger a shortcut and nothing happens. Or yeah. it looks like nothing is happening and then it times out because you didn't tap a menu option that you can't see. Yeah. They're so close with this. I, I just feel so like... So close. Um, and I think this is related to the fact that shortcuts doesn't have notification settings. It's a, it's a special one um, in that notification settings are just on. Yeah. But that also means that I can't explicitly enable shortcuts notifications in focus modes. Um, and I've reported this as feedback. Other people I know have reported this as feedback. 
but it's not been fixed. Um, I expect the team has just been swamped dealing with all of the things that they have to deal with. But it is very frustrating because it does break a lot of my shortcuts automations because I'm there going, well, I tapped this thing. Why isn't it? Oh, right. I'm in a focus mode. So a lot of my automations now, the first thing it does is it turns off um, my focus mode. I just say turn off. Uh, do not disturb. And that seems to be working as a workaround right now. I'm not 100% certain. Um, but um, it, it will probably break again at some point. Um, but it's it turns off um, do not disturb. And then it runs my shortcut. Um, and then I have to remember to turn on the correct focus mode at the end. Um, as in, I use the ask each time focus mode um, and just say turn it on until turned off because my focus modes generally are enabled and disabled by automation. Um, so they should get turned off then when the automation runs um, at, say, the end of the working day. Yeah. I would like to see, uh, I, I would just like to see shortcuts, you know, get healthier right now. Yep. And, and maybe this is just like a point one thing. Um, I, I, I'm one thing I'm certain of is that the shortcut team wants to fix that more than I want them to fix it. I'm sure they're, it's driving them crazy, but the, um, Oh yeah, I'm sure it is. But equally they, you know, everybody needs a work-life balance. Um, and I'm hoping that they are finding that or attempting to find that and not working themselves to the bone on this. Um, it would be wonderful if everything could magically be fixed, but equally, you know, um, if some things have to get fixed in a point one update, then we're going to have to live with that. And, you know, um, expanding the, the shortcuts platform under the Mac was not something you did in an afternoon. I'm sure they're no. very busy with that. <laughs> yeah. It seems to me like it took them quite a while to do. Um, and they've done an incredibly good job for it. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that when Monterey launches, everything is going to just work out, um, with actions that are available from Mac OS and iOS applications, just working interchangeably. So my drafts actions will run in shortcuts on the Mac or shortcuts on my iPhone or iPad. Um, and that'll be fabulous. This episode of the automators is brought to you by LinkedIn jobs. Go to linkedin.com slash automators to post a job for free. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever. Time spent searching for and interviewing the wrong candidates for a job opening could be time better spent growing a business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get the candidates worth interviewing faster, and it's free. Hiring a new employee can be harrowing. Not only do you have to get the person with the right skill set, you also have to get the person with the right attitude. That's why hiring the right person is so important. If you get the wrong chemistry in your office, all of a sudden you can't get any work done. Getting the right person makes all the difference. And that's why you have LinkedIn jobs with LinkedIn jobs. You can create a free post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. You can focus on candidates with the skills and experience you need Use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people, and then use simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com automators. That's linkedin.com automators to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply, and our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the Automators Podcast and all of Relay FM. 
So one of the reasons we haven't been able to talk much, uh, just like offline, is that you've been on on holiday, as you say, if you come from the land yes. of the UK. Um, yes. But apparently your automation, so you had all your automation set up for your home automation when you left and you came back to anarchy. What happened? Well, uh, there was also some anarchy while I was gone. I had some scheduling things that I had to schedule appointments for, and I forgot that I was on holiday. Uh, and so I didn't add GMT to things um, or BST as it currently is British summertime versus uh, Greenwich Mean Time. Um, and I realized that I was doing things wrong and I had to go back through and edit like two different appointments um, and remember when they were to start with. That was quite difficult yeah. um, because you can't find calendar events based on the fact that you added them or edited them in the last week. That is actually a little tricky to do. Um, and then I created a shortcut, David, which just added them with the correct time zone, um, yeah. which which fixed that problem. Uh, I also pulled out an oldie but a goodie um, and stuck it back on my home screen. Uh, on the home screen, it's just referred to um, as at home, the at being the at symbol. And when I tap it, it pops open um, a text field. I type multiple new lines of whatever it is I need to remember to do when I get home. And it throws it in OmniFocus with my at home tag. Um, and that is deferred to the day that I return home, um, which works quite nicely. How, how is it getting the day you return home? Uh, it's looking in my calendar at the end of the current all-day calendar event in the TripIt calendar. Okay. All right. So that works quite nicely. Um, so um, that that was great. But um, a couple of days into my holiday, um, I noticed that I was no longer able to access anything on my home network. And I was more than a little bit concerned about this because I have multiple devices that should be talking to the internet on a regular basis. Uh, at the very least, things like my home automation should be accessible to the outside world. And it was not. Um, and in the end, I, I had a chat, an internet chat with my ISP. They ran some checks and said, looks like there's possibly a problem with your line. We'll schedule an engineer to come out. They were scheduled to come out today, actually. Um, fortunately, when I got home, I was able to determine that my internet was not the problem. My power was. I'd run out of electricity, or rather, the electricity had gone off at some point, and then a switch in my consumer unit, a breaker switch, flipped, and it didn't come back on gotcha. when the power came back on. Yeah, And that's problematic because uh, my house is electric, there is no gas, and everything except for the oven and the water heater were on these switches. So that's internet. Um, that's all of my computers. Most of them are on UPS. So they just shut down automatically because they knew, hey, we're running out of power. Um, I have decided I will be trying to set it up to send an email when they flip over to UPS battery power. That's something that you can do using network UPS tools or NUTS tools. Um, but to do this, that means that my internet needs to be up. Because if my internet's not up, it can try and send an email all it's like. All it likes, yeah, but, but if, guess what? There's no router, internet. If your router just shut itself so, down, well, that doesn't do you much good. Well, I mean, it's not that it shut itself down. It just straight up doesn't have power. So I ordered another UPS. I'm in the middle. My TV died just before I went on holiday as well. Brilliant timing. Um, so I'm currently recabling my entire TV unit um, to fit everything in nicely. I've decided to go with a dedicated charging drawer so that all of my like Nintendo Wii chargers, Nintendo Switch controllers, and all that can just be in one place. And you pop open a drawer. You t select the controller you want and, and it's charged and you're ready to go. Um, but the the biggest problem with all of this was actually my freezer. Oh, boy. Because guess what? Oh my freezer and my fridge lost power for yeah. a week. 
coming home to that at 10.30 at night was uh, not my most favorite thing in the world. Not a pleasant smell, I'm sure. Uh, well, actually, the smell was fine until I opened the fridge and the freezer door. Fortunately, the fridge was pretty much fine because yeah. I just... Um, I, I'd emptied it out aside from like two things which had long dates on them before I left. Um, the freezer, on the other hand, there was freezer soup in the bottom of my freezer, David. Ugh. Yeah, there had been ice cream and stuff in there. Yeah. It was it was not good. Um, and so I decided this is the point where I need some automation in here. I cannot put my fridge and freezer on a UPS. Yeah. Like, I, I could, but a fridge freezer is going to use up a lot of power on a UPS. It it's going to run for minutes. And it like it's it's not really solving the problem. The real solution to the problem here is to know that I've lost power. Yeah. So that either I can deal with it or I can call somebody to deal with it for me. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. I'm gonna try using the network UPS tools or NUT tools and Home Assistant. Um, they can integrate with one another. I have multiple UPS, so like getting information from at least one of them should not be a problem. Well, and something you said earlier is something I did. I, I put a UPS on my network closet. So like yes. the router yeah. and the cable modem, they're on a UPS. That helps. Yeah. So that that's one of the other things I got. Um, so um, that'll be the the modem router from the ISP, which I pretty much just use as a modem. The Eero, all the networks running through that and all the network switches. There's also, I have um, hybrid internet. So I have a 4G backup basically to my internet connection. So if the phone line goes down, because that's where my internet comes in, I don't have fiber here, um, then it'll switch over to a 4G backup. That is also obviously going to get plugged in. Now, is that an additional service? I've not, I'm not familiar with yeah. that in the U.S. That was an additional service. It's available with BT over here at the princely sum of £7 a month, which I decided was an excellent price to pay yeah. um, to uh, have pretty much guaranteed internet, considering how reliant both my day job and all the podcasting and everything is on having internet. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, so for me, that was well worth paying seven pounds a month, um, for that. Um, but, um, I decided that as well as, um, doing all this, I need another device as well, which can intervene and potentially use any other kind of network connection to send me a communication. And I had an idea. I've talked about my love of push cut automation server before David, yeah. and it's currently running on an iPod touch, which is sitting here on my desk. But I have an iPhone 12 Pro Max sitting right next to it, which is a test device. Yeah. Which is, you know, fine. About to get replaced with your iPhone 13 Pro. Yeah. Well, no, the 12 Pro Max is, uh, you know, it could still be a test device, even if yeah. it's a push-cut automation server device. But yeah. I can use the Mini as a test device. And the 12 Pro Max has got really good battery life, David. Yeah. Like, really good battery life. So that is going to become my push-cut automation server. And I'm going to stick, um, I think... Americans call it prepay. We call it pay as you go over here. Yeah. One of those sims in it. Um, and so it will be able to text me, email me. It can try and call me. It's not going to help if it calls me. But basically, if my internet goes down and power goes down, it's going to be able to communicate. But what I'm going to do is whenever it's disconnected from power, just straight up, straight up boring shortcuts automation, send email, send message. Yeah. Just do that. Um because if it tries to send an email and a and a message, at least one of those should go through. Um, and then it can also queue up automations on its pushcut server to run to say, hey, check in 15 minutes whether or not you've got power and Wi-Fi. And then send a message with power, um, like uh, whether or not you're plugged in, how much battery you've got, and whether or not you're on Wi-Fi. 
And so uh, I'm going to get try and do that for me because I think that that is probably a pretty good uh, extra uh, for this because I have to say, coming home at 10.30 at night and having to empty three large rubbish bags of food out of my freezer and clean my freezer and order new groceries to come the next day because I had literally nothing else to eat in the house was not the most fun experience ever. No, and it I could bet. have been fixed. If I, I had bet. known that my power had gone off and my power hadn't come back on, I could have had a friend come and just flip the switch on the breaker. Yeah, that's a unique problem though. Like I know there are Internet of Things devices to de- detect water, for instance. You can put them mm-hmm. like in a room where your clothes washer is, and if it leaks, yep. you'll get a notice. But the problem with power is that a lot of time power is going to take down your internet at the same time. Yeah. And um, that's not an easy problem to solve. Sounds like you've got a solution, no. though. Well, I think I've got two solutions because by putting my router, modem, hybrid backup, um, and primary network devices on UPS, um, then I should still be able to, you know, communicate over Wi-Fi and so on. But say, for example, there's a lightning strike and it takes out the phone line. That's something that's happened to my parents before. They had to get the line and socket replaced after the next door neighbor's ham radio fascination resulted in a lightning strike directly to their house, oh. uh, which blew out several things in my parents' house. Um, his mask, his mask was not correctly uh, attached to the side of the house, so of course it just, yeah. yeah, yeah, it wasn't grounded. So the lightning just went, "Ooh, electricity! Let's have some fun with this." Yeah. Um, and had lots of fun, including fun with our house because semi-detached houses, it just jumped over, um, was not a big leap for some lightning, but, um, yeah. So, um, you know, I've, I've had that happen before I've, I've encountered apparently a couple of interesting, uh, problems involving electricity in my life, David, I'm hoping that this is the end of them. Uh, it certainly could have been worse. Uh, you know, um, my TV had already been fried for, by other purposes. I was playing Mario Kart with some friends and one of them said, I'm going to throw a shell at you. And then my TV just stopped accepting HDMI input. Wait, um, wait, so, what? <laughs> I, I I don't think Alex is truly at fault here, but it is very entertaining to try and blame my broken TV on him. It's a 12-year-old TV. The HDMI port it's giving up is like far from, um, you know, unexpected. Um, so it it it's one of those things. 12-year-old TVs after what did a while. He, throw? he was going to throw a red shell at me in Mario Kart. Uh oh. I yeah. guess you're going to get yeah. a new TV. Yeah, yeah, I got a new TV. I got a Philips Hue Ambilight one. Uh, oh, so it's got the fancy. gradient lights built into the back, um, which is really nice because then it's it's not a HomeKit TV, um, but it is HomeBridge supported. Um, but it has that lighting built into the back because I couldn't upgrade to a 55-inch TV without replacing my living room with a television. Um, there, there wouldn't have been space for much else in there if I'd done that. So I'm glad I uh, I opted for the uh, 43 inch that I've got, and it it really is lovely. I honestly though do think this whole idea of kind of like emergency automation is something that people should give mm-hmm. thought to. Um, yeah. Uh, have you done any of the stuff with like the water notice when you get a uh, water leak yeah. in your house? Yeah. So I actually have a couple of the Acara flood sensors. Yeah. Um, that's A Q A R A. They're, they're fairly cheap. I already have the Acara. I actually now have the M2 Hub, uh, David, because they are available here in Europe from the Apple stores. Um, and they're properly available on Amazon. So I picked up an M2 Hub, um, which is a European one. And I'm in the process of migrating all of my accessories from the M1S over. Um, but I've got two flood sensors. One is outside of my storage cupboard. 
um, just because that's not really waterproofed. Everything's up off the floor in there, but if water were to enter, I'd like to know. Um, and the other thing is, uh, the other one is attached to my dehumidifier. And I stuck a float sensor in my dehumidifier because the actual float sensor built into the dehumidifier is too high. Um, and then when I pulled the drawer out of the dehumidifier, water splooshes everywhere, which is frustrating. So I attached, um, there are two screws on the float sensor so that you can attach wires to them or some other kind of sensor. Um, and so I attached a float sensor to that and stuck the float sensor inside my dehumidifier at a lower level where I can safely pull the drawer out without water splooshing everywhere and empty it. So it tells me now when it's full. I just can't get over how much more um, inexpensive the Acara stuff is over everything else. Like I'm just looking right now because I don't have any float sensors. And I'm thinking I should at least have one in my laundry room. And the um, like the the Fibaro one is fifty dollars. The Eve one is eighty dollars, and the Acara one is eighteen dollars. It's like, how do they get away with making this stuff? And I'm guessing that's the Amazon price because if you look on AliExpress, it's probably cheaper than that. Though you'll have to wait ten days for it to arrive instead of it coming tomorrow. But yeah, but they still work, right? Do you, I guess I'd have to buy a hub yeah. too. I don't have an Acara hub. Yeah, you probably want to get an Acara Hub. Um, if you don't have an Acara Hub, but you are looking into um, Home Assistant, you could get a Zigbee dongle um, for Home Assistant and plug um, that in and pair the Acara stuff with that and then share it back to HomeKit. That is something that you can do, but that is a lot more work than just buying the Acara Hub. For most people, I would not recommend that route. It's just if you're really interested in all of the Home Assistant stuff and trying to minimize the number of um, hubs you've got, then then Home Assistant is wonderful. I'm using Home Assistant as a hub actually for a couple of Acara devices because I wanted to know 10 minutes after my dishwasher door opens that I should empty it, not when my dishwasher door opens. And I just wanted an automation to do that. And Home Assistant can do that natively. It's really easy. And you've had pretty good luck with Acara because I know you keep it keeps coming up on the show yeah. for you. It's, it's, it's small. It's cheap. It's reliable. And it's inobtrusive. Like there, the stuff is white and a light gray color, and it works. Like there's not a lot more I can really say other than yeah. it does exactly what it's supposed to, and it doesn't break the bank. I mean, the thing is, is any individual sensor from a car is cheap. The problem is, you are not going to want one sensor. You're going to want lots of sensors. Once you realize that you can attach a sensor to every single window and door, um, so that you know when you've got out of, oh shoot, did I shut that window? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Like you can check it. Yeah, door and window sensors are eighteen dollars, and it's just like all this stuff is just like so much less expensive than their competitors. Yeah, it it really is good. So Acara make things for Xiaomi, um, and so um, you can actually buy the Xiaomi things and pair them in the Acara uh, hub to the Acara, or sorry, in the Acara app to the Acara hub, and they should still appear in HomeKit. Um, so, um, for example, um, I bought some Xiaomi, um, motion sensors because I couldn't get the Acara one at the time. Um, I just wanted to get one and try it, um, to see what it was like. First of all, those things are tiny, like the top half of my thumb, David, from the knuckle up to the end of the nail. Like that's how big it is. It is so small. I love it. I'm going to need you to send me some links. I will put them in the show notes too, but I, I, we've got to. Yeah. Yeah, we will. I I, I think I'm going to try it. I mean, it's just not that expensive. It's 60 bucks to buy 
the Generation 2 hub, but everything else after that is really inexpensive. And the Generation 2 hub, um, and I believe the M1S, um, actually have got Matter support now, David. Um, they, they're, they're supporting Matter and Thread specifically. Um, so Akara are definitely, you know, they're really all in on, on home automation and they are looking towards the future. Um, and, you know, blinds with um, a roller chain um, like well, those circular chains, they yeah. they are coming out with um, a, a, a th- an add-on that you can clip onto a chain um, to open and close your blinds, um, which is pretty awesome. I already have a solution for that with Soma stuff because I also have a cord. I have a chain and a cord and I need both of them. So I, I went with Soma for that. But um, yeah, it's pretty awesome that all this stuff is, you know, available and relatively affordable. I mean, as far as home automation goes, it's yeah. affordable. They certainly have it all. Smart plugs, vibration sensors, water sensors. Yeah, the vibration sensors show up in HomeKit as motion sensors. So I have like one stuck on my office chair um, because it's looking for movement in this room, um, in my office. And sometimes like I'm not moving enough that either of my other motion sensors, I have a Hue and an Ikea motion sensor in here as well. I'm not necessarily moving enough that either one of those will pick me up. But I am moving enough that the vibration sensor will pick me up. Um, and also, I have one of those on my letterbox. Uh, so whenever a post comes through the door, I get a notification saying you've got mail. Because that's fun. All right. Um, yeah, I just on the home t- kit topic, we talked about this recently. And yeah. as a result of that, I ordered a, um, a robot mop uh, at your insistence. It's the little one. <laughs> Yeah, you got you got the one with Wi-Fi though, right? Because uh, TJ also emailed in about this because um, he wanted to tell me there's a deep clean feature, and my my robot uh, mop is very dumb. It it doesn't have Wi-Fi because you have to go and fill it with water first anyway, so it doesn't have a deep clean feature, unfortunately. But I believe yours might. Yeah, and it works great. I just wanted to add to that. I, I've got the robot vacuum and the robot mop and. You know, like like we said during the show, the trick with these things is to run them regularly, and yep. they uh, they do a good job. You can you still may need to sweep and mop once in a while, but much less often. Yes, dog yeah, is used that, to them now. Dog doesn't oh, dog doesn't care good. anymore. And for a while, good, that was good. a big deal to her, but now she doesn't care. Oh, yeah, yes. Now I remember the first time Smudge, my foster cat, made a, her acquaintance with the robot vacuum. And it was her own fault because she was playing around and apparently moved it off the dock a bit. And so it came out to like greet her. Um, and she was not impressed at all. And they spent 20 minutes trying to get under the furniture to attack the brushes. Um, so I had to take the robot vacuum away and hide it in a cupboard while I was fostering her because she was half scared. All right. Last question for you today. Um, we, we've talked about iOS 15. We are a little disappointed with some of the, you know, shortcuts, bugs, but I think that's going to eventually get fixed. So let's assume yeah. they're going to get it all working. Um, and uh, you, somebody comes up to Rosemary Orchard and said, okay, Rose, we're starting to plan for iOS 16. What direction do they need to go with shortcuts for next year? <sighs> hmm. This, this is a tricky one um, because they've already added a lot. I think, uh, you know, it, it, it's a little difficult to see right now because a lot of the people have been quite nervous to get their hands on shortcuts and so on because we've had corrupted databases and, and stuff in the past. But I think I would just like to see more deeper integrations with the operating system. For example, telling me what my current focus mode is and so on. 
Um, it's not that I'm wanting them to Sherlock things like Toolbox Pro, but equally, I also know that Alex Hay, the maker of Toolbox Pro, um, is very happy when some of his actions get Sherlocked by the Shortcuts team because it means that, you know, they're they're useful to the Shortcuts audience. Um, and so knowing, for example, if I'm in light mode or dark mode um, and things like that is useful. And I would really love to see that become a native action inside of Shortcuts because, you know, things like focus modes and so on are incredibly powerful, but being able to switch between things, knowing which focus mode I'm in as well is even better. Like I would love to change my wallpaper um, when I activate any focus mode, depending on which focus mode I'm in, but I would like to have them all in one shortcut instead of having different shortcuts for each different focus mode. Um, and that that's not ideal. So uh, I think that and graceful failures with uh, non-supported device actions like vibrating a Mac. I understand I can't vibrate a Mac, but let me just continue anyway, please. Yeah, my, um, I guess my request would be, uh, I feel like they made progress on automation tasks, but they're still, it's too fiddly and too many notifications and too many confirmation dialog boxes. Yeah. I'd like them to give users more power here. And even if I have to go into a buried setting and throw a switch, um, I'd be willing to do that. And I would just like to see the automation stuff become more automatic because a lot of it is not automatic enough, I think, at this point. Yeah. Um, another thing I'd like to see them put some effort into is make the screen time data just more accessible. Not only I, I yeah. talked on MPU how I'd like I'd like this to be available to third party developers so they can develop apps using screen time data. I feel like screen time is this, a feature that Apple kind of built and then kind of ignored. Uh, but if you can just give me that data where a third party app developer could use the data to give me better features, or if I could write my own in shortcuts, I would like to see that happen. Yes, yes, I I fully agree with that. That would be. Wonderful. Um, and in fact, generally having openness and uh, the ability to extract all this data using shortcuts from all of the things would be wonderful. You know, we're getting there with being able to save files anywhere um, in iCloud Drive. That is fabulous. Uh, but, you know, uh, more steps are always great. And if any of the shortcuts team are listening, they should not be disheartened by, um, you know, the fact that there are still bugs. I, I'm a developer myself. I understand everything ships with bugs. Um, and you're working hard. I'm, I'm very sure of that. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, I guess that's it, something it, it I want to come It can only get across. better. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, it's it's a good thing. Like, things are definitely improving. You can't make progress without, you know, making a couple of bucks on the way. Got to, was it going to break a few eggs? Going to scramble yes, some eggs? to make an omelet. Yeah. The, the, uh, I do think that, um, you know, we should, we should reiterate that it's amazing how far shortcuts has come. And I think it's only natural to have some growing pains when you're developing onto an entirely new platform at the same time you're trying to update the old one. So yeah, uh, we are both big fans of what they're doing, and I know they're putting everything they have into this. But it right now, it's kind of hard to use. And if you're listening to the show, you're fine using your shortcuts. Just If you're trying to create new shortcuts and you're having problems, just hang in there, you know? <laughs> But do file bugs. I mean, if you've got yeah. a way to report bugs, yeah. that really helps these guys and gals to know where they need to direct their attention. Yes. yes. Apple.com slash feedback. File um, bugs, or open but feedback not like assistant. a jerk. 
You know, yes. be nice yeah. about it. Make sure that you include reproduction steps, screenshots wherever possible, and so on. I know some bugs don't show up. If you try and screen record them, that is useful information. Tell them that. Still include the screen recording and say it's not happening in the screen recording. Um, be, um, so that they know what steps you're doing and how to recreate it themselves. Like give them as much detail as possible. And, you know, I know, I know these people, they are wonderful people. They are working really hard. I am 100% sure of that. So just giving them the data so that they know what you found that's broken or what you think is broken, um, is, is very helpful for everybody. Um, and feel free to share those bugs, you know, when you find them, um, on Twitter or in the forums or something like that. So that other people can also, um, you know, verify and maybe see if they can find a workaround for you or say that's how it's supposed to work if they happen to know that, you know, it's always worked like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's always uh, good to work together as a community to help everybody out. Got any automation problems you're trying to solve, Rose? Anything on, on your plate? I mean, aside from the lack of power, um, <laughs> I'm focusing on that one right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to have to work on um, some other things. I um, have been... A- not experimenting with, but using the or disabling the auto join Wi-Fi um, option recently because I was using a, a roaming hotspot when I was in France, but I didn't want all my devices to immediately hop onto the hotspot as soon as it came up because, of course, it slows things down. So I, I fixed that. I automated my problem away by uh, disabling auto join network, which works wonderfully. Um, so I'm, I'm quite pleased about that. Um, and uh, yeah. Um, other than that, I've not really got a lot going on right now. David, what about you? Um, I am doing an experiment. I'm about two weeks into it now where I am not using toggle I'm, and, and timery, which are, you know, a nice combination for time tracking, but instead just using the timing app, um, just for Ooh. a variety of reasons, you know, the M1 Max are so powerful and the battery lasts so long that I find that I'm not using the iPad as often for uh worky work these days so as a result i've got really good data and timing you know timing not only tracks data on your main mac but it tracks it on your second mac as well so i've got really good data for time tracking and timing and it makes it very easy while you're sitting at your mac to modify and set new timers or or report in time and because the app shows you exactly what you were doing in that minute what app you were in it makes it very easy to get really accurate time tracking but it doesn't have really a mobile app but they have this web api and a web service and they even have some shortcuts um actions they've created but i really want to like dig in on that right now and see if i can make timing work when i'm not at a mac and right. um there's some i need to do some work with these with their existing shortcuts i want to make some modifications and see if I can automate them for specific projects and things like that. So um, I haven't even really started the project yet. I've just started doing the research on it, but that is the automation project that I can report in on probably next time we do a show. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. I am going to be going all in again on time tracking in a couple of weeks, um, most likely, um, and just giving that another go because I kind of fell off a little bit over the summer while I was messing around with lots of things and broke a whole bunch of automations of course because you know there's you know betas so break things because that's what happens um and so i will be uh playing with that a lot and uh time i think i'm gonna be using timery for this because a lot of my time tracking is based on ios work um and that and focus modes combined i think are going to be the the power feature for me 
Well, I mean, and Timery has an excellent Mac app. It's still a great solution, but I, you know, I'm just a nerd. And once in a while, I've got to try something different just to see how it's going. Absolutely. And yes. um, I do like, I do like the accuracy of the data and timing because I mean, you don't have to throw a switch. It's, it's just looking for you. Yeah. Yeah. I do love that feature. All right. Well, we are the automators podcast. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. If you've got some money to give to St. Jude, please go give some money to St. Jude. It sure would help. Um, if you're interested in Devon Think, go check out my Devon Think field guide at learn.maxsparky.com. Anything going on? Anything going on in your life, Rose, that we should be sharing with folks? Well, I did recently switch my website from WordPress to Jekyll. It's still at rosemaryorchard.com. It looks very similar, um, but it's much faster to load, which is a good thing. And there are there are some pages that are missing. I'm aware my recommendations page needs to come back. Um, I've already had three emails about that. Thank you for people who love that page. Um, and I will be bringing that back soon. Um, but if anything's broken there and you stumble across it, feel free to hit me up in, by email or Twitter and let me know something's broken um, because I would love to fix it. Um, so yes, uh, that that's what I've been doing uh, there. That was my holiday project, David. I'm I finally moved CMS to something that's considerably better than WordPress. Okay, well, <laughs> at least I, for I, me, it's a great website, and I I love it. So I'm I'm glad you're you're speeding it up. Uh, like I said, we're the automators. Find us over at relay.fm slash automators. You can find the forums at talk.automators.fm. Thank you to our sponsors this week, Privacy and LinkedIn Jobs, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye, everyone.